I'm Kimberly Amici. Welcome to the Build Your Best Family podcast. This is a practical show to help you imagine, plan, and build your best family. We believe that the secret to having a happy family is not being perfect, but having purpose. Each week, I'll be here sharing with you lessons I've learned, conversations I've had that will equip you to create new habits, challenge mindsets, and build relationships that will allow your family to thrive. According to a recent study, rates of anxiety and depression in children ages 3 through 17 have increased by 29%. Wow, can you believe that? That's why I believe that now more than ever, awareness about this topic is so important. When we as parents are knowledgeable in this area, we can provide the support and intervention for our kids. By recognizing the signs of anxiety, we can walk alongside them as they develop healthy coping mechanisms and resilience, which are essential life skills that I'm pretty sure we all want our kids to have. Today on the show, I'm talking with Karis Snyder. She is a Christian communicator who shares the hope of God through writing, speaking, and leading worship. Her passion for the Lord comes through as she shares her life experiences of overcoming anxiety and depression that began for her as a child. Karis is the author of Anxiety Elephants, a 31-day devotional, and Anxiety Elephants, a 90-day devotional for tween girls and boys. She speaks in schools to students on coping skills for anxiety and trains teachers on how to help children who have anxiety. In our conversation, she shares a lot of helpful stuff. She talks about the common signs a child displays when they're suffering from anxiety. She shares strategies to help our kids voice their feelings and regulate their emotions. And my favorite, she also tells us some of the things that we should avoid saying and doing when our child is experiencing anxiety. This is definitely a topic I think we could all learn more about. Welcome, Karis. I am thrilled to have you on the podcast today. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. So a question we ask all of our guests is, what is your family known for? I really like this question. So my family, I have two daughters and then there is my husband and I, we do have a mini golden doodle as well, but we are known quite a bit for our travels to Disney. We used to go and be, and we would have passes where we go multiple times in the year. So that is a big thing that we're known for. We're also known for college football. We love college football. We are huge Alabama fans. My husband and I both graduated from the University of Alabama, and also for us, worship. My husband and I are both worship leaders, so when people think of our family, they think of that aspect as well. Oh, that's amazing. And so, like, did you guys, you met in college, were you both in, like, you know, you hear these stories, were you both in the worship team? Did you meet at church? Did you, like, so are you both musical? Like, talk to me more about that. Absolutely. So my husband, this will be a a conversation maybe for another day, but he actually was a part of a Christian boy band. Okay. So (laughs) if you think of like NSYNC, Justin Timberlake with their singing about Jesus and dancing. And so we met, I was a a counselor at a big event and Mm. that's how we met. And I totally made fun of him. I ragged him for what (laughs) he was doing. And then we started dating. I was not actually in worship ministry at that time we got married and we were he was serving at a church as a worship leader and someone just happened to hear me sing I was so shy and introverted I'd never really wanted to be on Mm -hmm. stage singing and they heard me and asked him why I was not singing with him and he said 
I, I don't know. I've never, <laughs> I've never really heard her sing. And so that kind of from there, that got us into worship ministry together, but he's been yeah. doing it all of his life pretty much. Wow. Oh, that's wonderful that you guys share that together. Yeah. And we were chatting before we got on. I love, we love SEC football. And yeah. so I'm right there with you. We are definitely known for some of the tailgating we've done in the past. My husband went to Penn State. I went to Syracuse. We've ah. done tons of RV tailgating, you know, trips. And so our kids grew up going to big schools. So it's, you know, watching big football. So it's no surprise that they ended up at a big school at down a big south. School. Yeah. I love that. Yeah, we love the the football food, just the food in the fall season in general yeah. is some of my favorite anyway. But our girls know on Saturdays we're eating wings, we're watching football. I mean, yeah. it's, it's a whole thing down here, but they they yeah. love it. Oh, I love that. Okay, so I'm excited to talk to you today. You authored, you've authored a handful of books on the topic of anxiety. So let's see, you originally came out with Anxiety Elephants, a 31-day devotional. You've written one for tween girls and tween boys, and now you've moved on to a younger group. It's a children's book, a picture book with incredible illustrations, and it's called There's an Elephant on My Chest. So let's talk a little bit about, number one, why you're talking about this topic, anxiety, and then where did you come up with this idea about anxiety elephants? So about 11 or 12 years ago, anxiety and depression almost took my life. And during that time, you know, like I said, my husband and I, we were leading worship. I was, had a successful business. I was running out of my home. I was a mom. Everything appeared great on the outside, but on the inside, I was being crushed by this feelings of anxiety and depression. And I was also in this place of denial where I didn't think anxiety or depression were real. I was one of those, you know, part of the church ministry that Mm -hmm. just thought you just needed to suck it up and move on, right? Read your Bible, pray more, do more. And then I realized just how real anxiety and depression were. Mm -hmm. And I needed help. I needed help. And as God began to pull me up out of that pit, and it was a long journey of healing and restoration, I really just wanted to talk about this subject more. This is the number one struggle, you know, that we have, whether you're in church or not, mental health anxiety is the number one struggle Mm -hmm. for all age groups. And I know how much I felt alone, how I thought it was just me. Surely no one else was dealing with what Mm -hmm. I was dealing with. And then when I began to talk about it and others would say, you too, I began to realize, hey, we need to talk about this. And just through some prayer, I started out, you know, as a speaker, God led me into this journey of writing. And the first one, Anxiety Elephants, came out December of 2019. And then hello, right? Hello, 2020. And, you know, God in his goodness knew what was coming. And he, he began to use that book. And my daughters actually asked me, they said, mom, will you write one with words we can understand? Oh, wow. Yeah. 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 And that's where the tween books came. And I have a child development background. So to have the opportunity to write a picture book for four to eight year olds to help them earlier, you know, to help families begin to recognize some emotions or some symptoms of anxiety was just Mm -hmm. a a dream come true for me. And anxiety Mm -hmm. elephants, if you're wondering, wait a minute, she says she graduated from the University of Alabama. (laughs) Big Al is an elephant there, you know, they're mascot, I promise it has nothing to do with (laughs) Big Al or anything like that. When I, as a speaker, describe anxiety for those who are in the audience that may have never felt anxiety or for those that do, Mm -hmm. I would always use this image of an elephant, this weight Mm -hmm. 
that you feel on your chest. And, and even though it's invisible to others around you, it feels very real to yeah. you. It's very massive. And so just that I think God really gave me that visual of how heavy anxiety feels. Mm-hmm. So that's where that's where that term anxiety elephants came from and just the whole idea around the books. Yeah. I love that your daughter inspired that journey down the path of writing books for tweens. I mean, we know the statistics are out now that kids are really suffering from this post pandemic and they need to learn about their emotions. They need to learn how to recognize signs of anxiety, be open and honest about struggle. So that's definitely what I want to focus on today. So, you know, the common signs that a child may be suffering from anxiety, what are those and and how can we as parents be aware of them? And I love that you said common because there can be many, many, many signs for anxiety, but there are some common ones that you're going to see in your children. Oftentimes, For us, you know, for us as parents to be aware, maybe you are a teacher and you're listening to this also, some things that you Mm -hmm. might notice within your students in your class, they're going to start off many times with, oh, my stomach hurts. Mm -hmm. I have a stomach ache, you know, because that anxiety is kind of like a super fuel raging in your body, this adrenaline and hormones. And when you don't need that fight or flight stress response, it has nowhere to go. Mm -hmm. It does feel painful for them. And so the only way they might can recognize it is to say their stomach hurts. They might feel nauseous. Another one is they have headaches, their heads begin to hurt. Mm. They struggle sleeping at night, lots of tossing and turning because those anxious thoughts, those what ifs are playing through their their minds. Their heart rates, you're going to they're going to experience that rapid heart rate. And for your younger, your littles, they might say to you, I feel my heart beeping. I feel like my heart is beeping, you know? And so those are, that's how they're describing it to you. They might feel breathless, like their, their breathing goes from a good normal breathing to now it's shallow and very fast. Mm -hmm. Um, They, you may also notice they are now pulling away. They're isolating. They're not hanging out maybe with you as a family anymore. They're, they're not hanging out with their friends. They're trying to just stay in their room. They might be shutting mm-hmm. their door now, shutting off from everyone. And then another one that you're going to see quite a bit is emotional outburst. It could be emotional outburst mm-hmm. of anger because they're irritable or they're overwhelmed with all this emotion and they don't know what to do. So they lash out in anger, or it could be through tears, through mm-hmm. sadness, that yeah. they don't know how how to feel that, how to respond to it, and it could feel scary to them. So they just they cry at the drop of the hat, and they real they may not realize what's going on. But these are some things that that we could recognize. And then you know, lack of concentration, fidgeting, biting the nails, constantly moving, twirling the hair. These are all things that that you might see in them if they are dealing with some anxiety right now. Right. So I'm so glad that you shared some of those physical symptoms and explained that connection because a lot of times we want to fix the physical symptom. We want to like feed them. Oh, what did you eat? Like we immediately go to what's physically wrong, even to the point where we may take them to the doctor because we're like, let's get this fixed. Let's get, let's figure out what's going on. But we really don't take the time to stop and wonder if it's, it's something that they're dealing with their emotions, anxiety. I remember that I guess my daughter was in third grade. She was having a lot of friends, a lot of friend trouble, like social Mm -hmm. trouble. And, you know, it was just basic, you know, things like the kids that were your friends forever. And now 
you know, we're not yeah. being immature and they're not yeah. your friends and the, just the drama. And she would call me. She, thankfully, she had a teacher who allowed her to call me mm. and she'd be like, my stomach hurts, my stomach hurts. So I'd be like, okay, do you want me to come get you? And she's like, no, can you just pray? And so this one teacher recognized, wow. hey, when she wants, you know, when she says her stomach hurts, I'm going to go ahead and let her call you. And I was like, thank you so much. I mean, it was so such a pivotal year for her. And just she was she wasn't able to put into words what right. she was experiencing, but it was no coincidence that she was having those physical feelings when she was dealing with those emotional trials and obstacles. Wow. And so yeah. that's a great, great thing to to tie those and, and let parents know or let teachers know that that's, it's more than just physical. That's right. And, and I, you know, like you said, it ties together. So sometimes when they are voicing those physical symptoms, you know, over and over mm-hmm. or day after day, we can kind of pause and just say, okay, let's talk about, let's tell me what's going on at school. How's everything mm-hmm. going with your friends? You know, for my girls, I don't know if your girls ever dealt with this, but a lot of their, you know, drama or difficulties would come from the lunchroom or yeah. from re- recess, you know, where yeah. there are really no boundaries. There are no adults there to really yeah. kind of safeguard them. And so that's where a lot of the their difficult things that they would deal with. And so mm-hmm. when we begin to ask those questions and just kind of give them space to process what we've asked them and and time to to say out loud, you know, maybe there was something at the lunch table that happened. Maybe, mm-hmm. you know, someone made fun of them and, and they didn't like how that made them feel, but they don't yeah. know how to say that. And now right. in, within their body is coming out as a stomach ache or it's coming out as yeah. a headache. And, oh, now I don't want to go to school or can you check me yeah. out or... You know, so these are awesome things that it's very easy, you know, for us to dismiss and think it's not a big deal. But if we'll just kind of pause and say, tell me more, tell me more about what's going on at school Mm -hmm. or with your friends, we might get down to more the root of some things that are happening. Yeah. So that was a great example of how we pull that out of our children. Are there any other strategies you have to help our kids voice their feelings and then to regulate their emotions? Yes. So I, you know, I think sometimes with our words, it helps our kids, you know, to have space to come to us because we want to be their safe place, right? We want Mm -hmm. them to come to us. We don't want them to go to strangers on social media or to other voices that are within the world. And we're not Mm -hmm. really sure what mm-hmm. the world's going to tell them. So some things that we can do is let them know if they come to us, we can say, I can see that this is upsetting to you. Mm-hmm. Or, mm-hmm. you know, we can say things to them like, hey, it's okay to be sad. It's okay to feel this because what we don't want them to think is that what they're doing is wrong, yeah. that it's wrong to feel, that it's wrong to be upset. So we don't want that because we don't want them to hide in shame mm-hmm. or feel like they have to hide from us, you know, we can tell them in those moments, let's take a breath. Mm-hmm. Let's just, let's take a breath and a pause so that it gives the body and the brain a moment to kind of settle and calm down. But also in that moment, it gives them a minute to allow themselves to voice to you what's going on. Because mm-hmm. we know if we were honest, when our emotions take over, we yeah. don't make the best decisions. We don't <laughs> say the right things. And so for our kids, they're learning how to regulate. They're learning this process. So when we take a breath and pause, they're learning how to calm down, how to to voice what's going on. And then I think too, just letting them know, hey, I'm here. I'm here to listen. I'm here to listen to anything that you have to say. And and I know with our older ones, sometimes if we say to them, sometimes my high schooler, she'll tell me things and man, she is just spouting it off right and left, right and left. 
But if I'll take a minute, instead of giving her advice, ask her, do you want me mm-hmm. to listen to you in this moment? Or, or would you like some advice? Yeah, right that's a good, especially that, as they get older. Yeah, because what we're allowing them to see is that we are respecting them as they get older and giving them that those boundaries, that space to to learn things. Mm-hmm. And in that process, we're going to come alongside them. And if they want our advice, we will give it. But if they just want us to listen mm-hmm. in that moment, then we will simply listen. And yeah. listening and being in the moment and the space with them I think it's so powerful, don't you? Because it lets them know that we're going to sit with them, not just Mm -hmm. in the good and not just be proud of them in the good, but we're going to, and love them, but we're going to love them in the hard and we're still proud of them in the hard. And I think it lets them know that, that we're not going to leave them. And I I know you have older ones, but you could probably speak to that as well. Yeah. I think the space is really important. I find that that's when they open up is you kind of just hang out with them, no pressure, not trying to solve their problem. And eventually it all comes out. And so the times that I've allowed space, I've had the most success because there are times when I just want to rush it and I want to give them a pat answer, which really leads me to the next question is like, what should we avoid saying or doing? Right. Cause I, I know I have some bad habits. (laughs) (laughs) I know. So, and I do too. And I'm glad that you said that because I'm like, oh, good. It's not just me. Some things that we might want to avoid are things like maybe saying, oh, that's no big deal. Oh, let's not, don't, you don't have to worry about that. Because Mm -hmm. even, you know, I used to think that I was helping Mm -hmm. when I was saying that, that I was trying to show them that this is not a big deal, but in reality for Mm -hmm. them, it is, it is a big deal. And so we don't want to dismiss it. We don't want to dismiss it. So we want to to not, you know, say that, you know, no, it's not a big deal. No, you don't have to worry. But we don't want to say to them, oh, can we talk about that later? Hmm. You know, like we want them, we, even though we may have to pause and maybe I'm doing something, if if we can tell that it's really bothering them or if our 13-year-old or if our nine or 10-year-old comes to us and, and says, I need to talk to you about something, that's taking great courage hmm. on their part yeah. to do that. So even if we have to pause for just a minute, pause yeah. for just a minute and, and just, just sit in there. And then I think also some, some things that we might do that, that we don't have to do is it's okay to not have the answer. So you don't have to make mm-hmm. up an answer. You don't have to come up with anything. Uh, you you don't have to be their fixer, just be their listener yeah. in, in those moments. And, and if they come to you and they're like, what's the answer? And you don't know, that is a great time to show them that it's okay to not know. Mm-hmm. So, okay to not know the answers. It's okay to not have it all together. And I think for them, they'll realize, oh, if mom or dad doesn't have all the answers, then it's okay if I don't. And then in those moments, we can say, well, let's find the answers together. Let's, let's pray about this together. What does God's word have to say? What, Mm -hmm. what are some things maybe that we can look up about anxiety to help you recognize if you're feeling Mm -hmm. anxious or having these anxious thoughts? So you don't have to be afraid of it. So it doesn't get the best of you. So I think when we meet them in those spaces like that, it really begins to bolster their ability to regulate those emotions. And, and it gives them the ability and the opportunity to build their relationship with God, where they're not just leaning on mm-hmm. our relationship, mm-hmm. but they're building their own relationship with him. And how yeah. powerful and sweet could that be for our younger ones to, to start getting close to their heavenly father right now in this season yeah. of their life? 
Yeah. And I like your gentle approach. I mean, I would say, I would add to the list, something not to do would be throwing scripture at our kids Yeah, yeah, (laughs) and saying, let's pray and let's, let's find out what God says about this, you know, because we all know the scriptures, you know, as I mean, I grew up in the church and there are scriptures that I can confess or that I would taught, was taught to memorize. And yes, I believe that there's power in speaking the word of God and truth, but to just sort of use that to stuff our emotions isn't always the the, the right answer. I agree. And, you know, God's given us these practical skills to use. If your body is signaling, you know, using those symptoms are popping up, your body Mm -hmm. needs help from Mm -hmm. you to calm back down. So practical Mm -hmm. things like that, practicing that with our kids to slow down, to take our breaths, you know, to ground ourselves back into Mm -hmm. present reality, letting them see that these practical skills is healthy. These are mm-hmm. healthy coping skills. Our brain tends to want to, to pull away, hide away, use negative things mm-hmm. to numb the pain, to, to, to avoid the anxiety. But we want them to learn these practical, healthy skills now and not later in their yeah. life. We want them to be oh, equipped yeah. with those skills right now. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I've, I've definitely used the, I don't know the answer to this. I know what you're going through stinks. And I might even say sucks Yeah, right. <laughs> to my teenagers. Yeah, <laughs> But that's, I mean, as parents, we want to have all the answers, but we don't. And I think that there's something really special that happens when our kids realize that sometimes we're, we, we don't know and yeah. that's okay. Yeah. And you know, and I think when and they come to us and they say, man, this is hard. And we say to them, you're right. It is. Mm-hmm. It lets them know they're not doing something wrong because yeah. so many times at this age, they think they're doing it all wrong. And when they know that it really is hard and that mom or dad is is there with them in the hard, mm-hmm. I think that just continues to cultivate that relationship and it gives them that safe place to, to come to, to come to us with mm-hmm. all the things. And we want them to come to us with all the things. Yeah. So let's just say, not that I've ever done this, but made the wrong choices about how we responded. (laughs) And we've blown them off or told them it's not a big deal. And we've somehow broken trust with them. What are the best ways? What are some tips that we can repair that, bring back that trust that we want our children to have with us? I love that. My fifth grade daughter will always call me out and say, mom, this is not what you said to do in your books that you wrote. And I'm like, well... (laughs) Thank you for calling me out on that. Um, You know, I think this, can I say this is a question I'm still learning how to do. These are things that I'm still, so I'm in the trenches with you guys on all this. Mm -hmm. I think first thing that that I've learned is important is to apologize, to tell them Mm -hmm. I'm sorry when I mess up. Because we, as, as parents, we are still human. We all fall short of the glory of God. And I think we need to apologize when we do make those mistakes and say that to our kids, let them know, mm-hmm. hey, I didn't handle this the right way. I let my emotions get the best of me. And I'm sorry. I think mm-hmm. that's a powerful thing to say to our kids, you know, and so let's do that. Let's acknowledge that together. I think to let them know that you're learning how to help them process through anxiety. Maybe you've never dealt with anxiety ever mm-hmm. in your life. So to let them know, hey, I, I don't know what you're feeling, but I want to help you through this. Can you, mm-hmm. you know, can we have an open conversation about this? Is this something that, that you would be willing to do with me? And and they're probably going to tell you, yes, they're probably mm-hmm. going to tell you, yes. I think another thing that helps us in building that trust with them, just spend time with them, 
hang out with them for no other reason than you're just hanging out. Go take a, a bag of popcorn down to your your daughter's room or play video games, you know, with your son or or go drive around in the car. We have some of the best conversations in our car. Mm-hmm. It, it's it's wild because we're not making eye contact with each other and we're just talking. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if you just do some things like that where you're just building a relationship with them, not based off of, of good things they're doing or things that are going bad, but you just want to get to know them and you just mm-hmm. want them to get to know you. And I think another way that might help build trust is is to share. If you have had difficulties in your childhood or, you know, where you were a teenager, letting them know that, that, that you weren't perfect and you didn't have it all together. I think that helps them to know that we're real people, you know, like we're not, we haven't always been mom and dad. At one point we were eight, nine and 10 years old. And and for me, I I was bullied as a kid. So Mm -hmm. I know what that feels like, you know, when, when that happens. And so I think when we bring in those things as well, it's helping them to see more of of us and Mm -hmm. who we are. And then we're building that relationship with them and just getting to know them as a person, getting to know their, their thoughts, their, their dreams, you know, just them, you know, the silliness part of them, you know, that's a fun thing for them. But I think just those few little things can really help to rebuild that trust and to keep that trust moving forward, even when mm-hmm. we're, we're going to continue to mess up here and there, but mm-hmm. to know that that foundation is here for them, I think yeah. that could be, be powerful for our children. Yeah. So we've already mentioned this, but faith and mental wellness go hand in hand. So what are some of these truths that we can communicate to our kids to lead them in the direction of peace and rest in God? So I think that there are lots of truths here that God has given us. And and I love that his word grounds practical strategies within his word. And number one, I think that one of the truths that we need to let them know that it is not wrong to ask for help. It is Mm -hmm. actually the right thing to do. You know, Galatians 6, 2 bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. We want to normalize help. It's not a four letter word. It's not a bad (laughs) word when I say that. So we want them to know, do you need help from us? Do you need help from a counselor? Do we need to seek help from, from a doctor? Do, do we need to go, you know, have these conversations? Help is not wrong. I think another thing that we want them to know is that gratitude is a natural built-in anxiety blocker. God knew that thankfulness was so powerful. I love first Thessalonians 5, 16 through 17 tells us to rejoice always pray without ceasing, giving thanks in all circumstances. So practicing that together, practicing gratitude together, where they know Mm -hmm. when you begin to look for the good, it's not pretending there's no bad, but changing your perspective that will block that anxiety from them. I think, you know, as well, Psalms 94, 19, tells us that when anxiety is great within your comfort, God's comfort brings us joy. So in those moments where we feel like we have to run from God or that he's going to be ashamed of us, what he really wants us to do is to come to him, to bring him those anxieties, to bring those fears, all of those things. And he will, he'll give us joy. He'll give us peace. He won't point a finger at us or shame us, but he is Mm going to love us through that. And and then I think finally, Philippians 4, 8, changing those anxious thoughts, the what ifs, what if I fail? What if I make a mistake? What if I'm not good enough to what is true, to think on what is true, what is pure, holy, excellent, praiseworthy to practice Mm -hmm. 
thinking on those things and changing our thoughts. And I think that's going to help them to change the trajectory of their life where anxiety is no longer leading them. It may come, it may get on their chest, but now they know how to take control over it. So it doesn't steal from their life anymore. Mm -hmm. And I think those are just a few of what God's word and those truths that we can put together with faith, with mental health, taking care Mm -hmm. of ourselves, growing in our faith and growing in those coping skills. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's incredible. All right. So one last question, what are some words of encouragement for our parents who are listening, whose kids struggle with anxiety? I would want to say, friend, if, if you were with me, I would say, friend, you're not failing. You are not failing. You are not a terrible parent. You have not, you know, ruined your kids. That is not it. They are going through a hard time. Anxiety right now is at an all time high for Mm -hmm. our kids. And I would just want to tell our parents that God loves you, that he sees you. He hears your prayers. He is catching your tears and you are not alone. So keep being in the trenches with your children. Keep listening to your teenagers when they just need you to sit. Keep getting on your knees and praying for them. Continue to learn and grow more about anxiety and what it is and what's going on in their bodies and how you can even regulate your own anxieties, your own thoughts and worries, and know that you are not alone, that this is happening in other households. And as we begin to have these conversations together, I truly believe that we're going to see hope pour into our homes. And as it pours into our homes, God is going to be able to use us to pour his hope out into a world that needs it right now, that feels so anxious and so afraid. He's going to be able to use us to be his feet and his mouthpiece. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's excellent. Thank you. All right. Well, thank you so much for being with us today. Yeah. Thank you for having me. You can find Karis at karissnyder.com. She's on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube as Karis Snyder. I'll link to that, plus where you can find all of her books in the show notes. I hope you've enjoyed the show. If so, I'd like to ask a favor. Can you head over to iTunes and leave us a review? Besides sharing this podcast with your friends, leaving a review is one of the most effective ways that you can support us and help get the word out about the incredible resources we have to offer. I'm passionate about helping families thrive and your reviews help families find us. And remember, family culture isn't about perfect, it's about purpose.